Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. I think it's um, amazing how that love worked through Sandy Thompson and um, led her that she could not do what she did for the sake of others. And we will be celebrating her life this Wednesday at 2 o'clock right here uh, in this space. So if you're able to join us, please do, but certainly keep that family in your prayers. Uh, we know she's gone home to be with Jesus, but at the same time, it's, uh, it's also, a, there's sadness, as you would expect. Love is something that's very important to us, gets talked about, and there's a lot of interest in it. People try to define it sometimes, uh, including musicians. Uh, I came across an article that, uh, where they said over 10,000 songs are on file in the United States Copyright Office in Washington, D.C. that begin with the words, love is. And, and what's interesting is to kind of see the progression or the impact of what's going on in the world that kind of defines some of these, these titles. I, that, I'm not going to read all 10,000 plus, trust me. But, but here are a few of them going all the way back to, these are just from the 20th century. Going back to 1905, love is like a dizziness. Uh, love is a sickness full of woes. Love is an IOU. That one came out right before the Great Depression. Love is good for anything that ails you. Love is a traitor, 1944. Uh, love is doggone mean. Love is your prescription. In 1950, love is atomic. 1964, love is a bore. Uh, 1968, love is psychedelic. 1969, love is groovy. Anybody feeling groovy? Sorry. Some of you know that. Some of you, I know. Go look it up. It is a song. Separate song. Uh, someone in first service reminded me that The Doors in 69 did a song, uh, Love is Strange, and many would agree with that. Uh, love is, in 1976, love is a funky thing. Uh, and finally, in 1988, love is for suckers. You, be, you decide. But interesting how definitions change with the years and what's going on in, in, in people's lives and the lives of the world around us. And there are obviously a lot of, uh, of ways to think about love. And all these songs are trying to, to define love. But, but when we come to John and his letter, he does something very different. Uh, instead of, of talking about love in terms of what's going on around us, John instead talks about love very differently, that uh, our understanding of love and reason to love one another are grounded in God himself versus the world around us. And this is important because there are all these ideas about what is love, and, and as the songs show us, and they can vary with the circumstances. If you were in a close relationship with someone, a parent or a spouse, and a boyfriend or girlfriend, it's likely that our understanding of love has been affected by those experiences. If a person who was supposed to love you mistreated you or abused you or betrayed you or lied to you or manipulated you, then your view of love might be very different from what I'm going to call real love, the kind of love we see in God. In fact, we often use our experiences 
to define love or almost anything, but in this case, love. And not necessarily do we have a true picture of an unchanging love found in God the Father. And so this morning, John's going to help us get a clear picture of love. And, and to do that, we want to turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. If you have your Bibles with you, go there. If not, we've included notes that you can pull out out of your bulletin that have the, the scriptures in there, as long as some places to take some notes and fill in some blanks. Here's what John, how he begins in this passage in, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. John, as he's done throughout this letter, he, he calls his readers beloved because this is not simply an informational letter. These are people he cares about. He helped start these churches. He was the founding pastor. He, it, they're more than just People out there, they're people he knows, people, people that are important to him, that matter to him. He has a concern for them, and he wants them to know that what he's about to share matters because he cares for them. And as he's done so many times in this letter already, he encourages them, he encourages us to love one another. But he emphasizes, that as he says, that's something very important. He says, love is from God. In other words, Love's origin is not in my experiences. It's not in my feelings. It's not in what somebody else says it is or how they live it out. Love ultimately is from God. We discovered that the mission and ministry of Jesus Christ to be our Savior and Lord provides us the clearest picture of divine love, of a sacrificial love, of a love that would go to the cross for us. In fact, John will show us a number of times this morning that, that love finds its origin. It is, in fact, it's defining characteristics, not in human experience, not in what we've had, not in how somebody has treated us, but in God himself. And, and our best acts of love show us and, and the world that our love is not of ourselves, but of God. And, and it shows this new and renewed relationship with him. If, you, if you've been with us, you know, but if not, you need to just kind of, John's been battling some former members of his churches who claim to be superior spiritually, that they, they kind of had the big head about their, their spirituality and that they were more further along than others. And so they left these churches, but they continued to have influence, often harmful with those who remained because they, they said that they were so spiritual and people started to look up to them, but then they, they lived their lives as like, as if anything goes because they felt like they were, their spirituality was so high, it didn't matter what they did. Their bodies didn't really matter. And, and, it, and it, they did some pretty horrible things. But John says the person who is truly born of God and, and knows God demonstrates that by actions of love. True spiritual maturity, true movement in our spiritual journey always shows itself in acts of love toward others and what we do, not just simply words, not just saying I love you or saying I care about you, but, but doing something that plays that out, that lives it out in reality. And the reverse is also true. John says in verse 8, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. That's perhaps one of the most famous statements in the Bible. John says the reason those 
who've left their, his churches aren't loving is because in spite of their claims, they don't really know this God who is love. Twice in this section, John is going to state this truth. God is love about God, and it gets quoted all the time. People talk about it. In fact, it's one of the great affirmations of the Christian faith. But all too often, we don't really understand what is being said. John isn't simply saying that God is loving, and, that, and that's the, the extent of it, though that is true. He isn't saying that one of God's activities is to love us, though this is also true. He isn't taking our definition of love, especially as it comes out in our flawed human experiences, and somehow apply that to God to try to help us understand him. It's not that how we've loved, how we've experienced love, okay, that must be love, and that was what God means by love. What, God, what John is saying is that it is God's unchanging nature. It is his character. It's its very being that defines love for us. The kind of love he is calling us to live every day in our lives. Earlier in this letter, John wrote, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. This is love, that lay down his life. When we put the cross, we have a cross standing up here, or when you wear a cross around your neck, it, it's not just a pretty piece of, of, of jewelry or a, some kind of a nice symbol, you know? It stands for the extent of love. How far would God go to demonstrate his love? That he would send his son who emptied himself to become flesh and blood, who suffered, was crucified, and buried dead. That's love. That's the extent of love, to give everything, to hold nothing back. Love chooses to accept someone for who they are and work sacrificially for their good. If there's no sacrifice, it probably isn't love. If it doesn't cost you something, if, if you only help somebody or do something for them when it's convenient for you, it's about you. When you do it and there's a cost, when you do it and it pulls you away from something you want to do, when you do it and it takes money out of your pocket, when you do it and there are going to be people who don't like it and they're going to say things about you and they may even make your life hard, then we can talk about real love. It is always revealed. It's always demonstrated in action like Jesus laying down his life for us. And this, this love is not just an attribute of God like one of many. It's the very essence of his being. Love is God's nature. And so God cannot not love in anything and everything he does. Love is, a, is in there. God is not just the source of love. As John tells us, he is love. He himself. And so if we don't know him, we can't know this real love, the source of love, nor can we know how to live it ourselves. If we, are, if we have separated ourselves from God, if we don't have any connection with him, then all we have to go on is what the world around us says is love. The way it gets lived out in often very healthy and even destructive ways.
saying God is love doesn't deny other attributes of him, such as he is just or he is truthful, but it means his justice and his truth are always expressed with love. There, there's always a danger that in trying to, to understand Jesus, in trying to get a handle on who God is, we take our cultural norms, we take our human experiences to explain, explain them and, and their love. You know, when an, when an actor in a television series or a movie says he loves this person and he, he, that he just met and he desires to spend the night with her. That's not love. That's lust. And yet, that's the, one of the definitions that we see all around us. When a parent or a spouse says they love us and yet they abuse us, they hurt us physically, sexually, emotionally, when they do some of those things, as some of you have experienced firsthand that's not love and that's certainly not the love of God nor do those actions represent who God is and yet if we keep hearing this idea that all I've ever known growing up maybe is is an abusive relationship by someone who is supposed to love me then what does that say about God what kind of God could there be, if, if this God loves me, does that mean this God abuse, is going to abuse me as well? See, we take our circumstances, our experiences, and we say, that's what I know, that must be the norm. When, when what the Bible is telling us is that that's not love. That's not love. Love is of God. Who God is and how he does everything that he does is how we understand love. And therefore, some of us have gotten really hurt. Some of us have have held God off at arm's length because if God our Father is anything like a father or a mother or a husband or a wife or a friend or a coworker that I've experienced, I don't want to have anything to do with that. But it's taken it and reversed. It's saying, not God defines love, But somehow we've said our understanding of love must define God. But the truth of the matter is when we we say we love God, but we don't go out of our way to obey him or serve him or serve those he loves or sacrifice on his behalf, the Bible says the love of God isn't even in us. God's agape love, agape is a Greek word, always has this sacrificial nature to it because the clearest picture of it is of Jesus who was in the beginning with God and who was God, who emptied himself, who became one of us, who, according to John, laid down his life for us on the cross for our sins. That is love. Self-sacrifice. Helping, working for our good. Never giving up. John says in verse 9, in this the love of God was made manifest or revealed among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we've loved God, 
but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And some of those verses, for some of you, maybe some of that sounds a little bit familiar. Scholars think that John is actually here probably paraphrasing words of Jesus that, that John had already quoted in his gospel of John when he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. John is going to tell us in, in, in a couple of verses, verse 12, that no one has ever seen God. But God's ultimate act of revealing himself came as he sent his only son into the world. John says he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That propitiation, some, some of your translations, it's a, it says atoning sacrifice. That is, God himself provided the means for our forgiveness. We are the ones who sinned. We are the ones who broke relationship. And yet God put, took it upon himself to provide the means for our forgiveness and restoration to the relationship by himself. He himself did it. Never before has God ever done anything like this in history. Christ is the, the unveiling, the, the fullest revelation we have of God's very heart, which is a heart of love. God's great sadness at our sin, his, his disappointment and anger at the, the emptiness and destructiveness of sin in our lives and the lives of those around us has required him out of love to send his son. The apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us then the message of reconciliation. God is the agent. God is the initiator. God is the first mover in this salvation of the world. But not just so we ourselves can be saved, but so that we can join in his loving work of reconciling the whole world to himself. We should never be satisfied with who is here, but we ought to be looking around saying, who is not here? What, who could be in that seat? Who could I bring? Who could I talk to? Who needs the good news that God loves them, that Jesus Christ died for them on the cross, that their life matters, and that through the power of the Spirit to live within them, they, their life can be different. We are always called beyond ourselves to give a sacrificial love, that loves others for their sake, that we might, as John said, live through him offering his love to others. I want to tell you, the love of God isn't real in us unless it is lived out through us. It's not simply about me. Turn TV on, read the newspaper, listen to your friends, check social media. It is about you. But, but all that didn't create you. God created you. God wrote the instruction manual on you. God is the software writer. God's the inventor. God's the one who understands. And he loves you so much that he doesn't want you to experience maybe momentary highs for long time lows of destructiveness. John continues, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. 
We, we love not out of fear that we might lose God's love or experience his wrath if we don't live by it, but as a byproduct and the result of God's loving generosity toward us. God's love is the source and inspiration of the, of the love of any Christian when we live that out in our lives because we realize that even though we're recipients of this sacrificial love, we don't deserve it. None of us have lived a pure, perfect life. All of us sin and fall short of the glory of God. And, and yet God has been gracious. And even though people have never seen God, they can, when we, we live for him, when we allow his love into us and through us, they, they can see who he is when we love. God is spirit. So, yeah, no one has ever seen God, just, just like we can't see the wind. And yet when the wind blows, we see its effects all around us. And John is telling us that when Christ lives in us, when we, when we recognize, when we welcome the love of God in us, we allow it to flow through us to others so that they see and experience the effects of God's love through us. God is using us for the sake of others, for the sake of the world. His love in and through us makes God tangible in the world around us. It becomes, he becomes real. He becomes visible. Not, not because we say so but because we live so. That's the only way. And yet John goes a step further to tell us that, that not only do our acts of love make God and his love real and, and tangible in the world around us, but it shows that God is in fact abiding in, abiding in us and, and his love is perfected in us. In other words, through our abiding in Christ. This is a, a word John loves. He uses it in his gospel. He uses it here in his letters. And it means spending time with him each day, living out the love of God in, that he is giving to us, living it out for others. And in doing that, he grows, his love grows in us and is perfected in us, helping us become all that God first created us to be, to do in life. Loving others with the love of God actually transforms us. We become more like him as we strive to live like him. Through the power of his spirit at work in us. See, it's not just I'm supposed to love, I'm supposed to be nice to make God happy. It's that God understands that the more we live like him, the more we strive to do what Jesus did, then the more his spirit transforms us so that that becomes more and more natural to us. It becomes more and more the desire of our heart. Is there something about the Christian life that you don't like? Is there something about it you're afraid you're going to miss out on some fun if, if you live that way? If you don't trust him and start living his way, you'll always feel that way. But the beauty of it is as we give to him, as we seek to live as Christ lived, as we seek to love, even when it's hard, even when it's un, it doesn't feel right, John is telling us that God is using that to actually tr transform us to make us more loving. The very thing we may be afraid to do in doing, he uses for our own good. It's why we don't just offer you here at Gateway opportunities to serve your church and serve your world. We don't just offer it, we encourage it. In fact, I'd like to tell some of you, you have to. You really do. Well, why? Because 
you're missing what God wants to do in your life. It's not simply so we can put some numbers down or accomplish something or do this or that. Do you understand, do you realize that serving is a part of how God transforms you? Serving is a part of how he grows you. Serving is a part of how he makes you more and more like Jesus. Serving is how he helps transform your heart so that love becomes what you want to do, becomes how you and I live day in and day out. Serving, whether it's, it's welcoming someone to, who walks through our doors, because not because you're supposed to be there, but because you know that there is a possibility that this person walking in today has gone through hell this past week, and they could hear, a good, a good, they could hear some good news. They could hear a word they need that could transform their life today. You... Do You come to worship, and you worship not because it's something I'm supposed to do for one hour a week, but because this is the God who loved me first, and therefore I am offering this back to him. I'm not a casual observer. I'm a participant. I am not. It's not about me. It's to an audience of one, of God. And when I sing these words, I don't sing them because they're neat or they have a good beat, but because I want God to hear them from me. I want them to be my words to him. Or when we, someone says, we need, we need volunteers with our children and our students. And we say, well, I don't know, I, I, I don't know what I'm gonna get out of it. It's, it takes some of my time. When in fact, you're being there. Your being there may be the highlight for some child's week. Because maybe they come out of a situation, a home or a school setting where there's not a lot of kindness. And your simple kindness may be one of the most transformative experiences of their week. And in the midst of doing that, of maybe every once in a while a little one coming and giving you a hug on your leg or a teen coming up and, and hitting you on the arm, you realize that somehow in doing that, God changed your heart too. God was working in you. God was, God was helping you to love more. And you didn't even know it. That's why... It was something like serve Sunday today. It's not about us. It's about those who haven't even come through our doors yet. It's about those who don't know the love of God. It's about those who need to be embraced. It's not about you. But in serving, God will work in you and transform you in ways, quite honestly, that you don't even yet know. Friend of mine in this church a few years ago went and served in children, and it was because I kind of made him. And now he's a team leader, and he's told me, I, I never would have thought I would like serving with children. And you know what's one of the cool things is we have men down in our children's area because when I grew up, it, 
there was, there, you wouldn't find a man anywhere down the children's hall. That was not what men did. You know what? Real men invest in children. Real men show themselves and the character of their life. And it made a difference for me when I finally, in the seventh grade, had a man. Because my father didn't go to church. And I assumed that's what men, men didn't do that. And that man showed me something different. Men, women, teens, children, all of us. God has a place for us. He uses us. But it's not just about us. It's about transforming us so that we are of even more value into the kingdom. God does even more through us. And so after this service, I hope many of you will check that out. Because remember, I mean, many of you serve, but some of you don't. And some of you, I want to tell you, you need to. Because God wants to grow you. God wants to do stuff in you. And it's not going to happen as long as you sit. God wants to transform your life. It's an opportunity for you to take to heart that, as John says, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. For in doing this, his love is perfected in us. John says, living and serving for Christ, testifying on, on his behalf out of love uh, to others, not only demonstrates God's abiding in our lives, but it continues to grow us, to transform us. He says, verse 14, and we have seen and testify, in other words, tell others, that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. There that, there that statement is again. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. We thank God for our military. I mean, this is really an important insight for all of us. When we have opportunities at work or in our homes or with our friends to share our experience of Jesus and confess our faith in him, John reminds us that's a sign that God abides in us and we in God. He says by this, in other words, all these activities and things he's talking about, all by this is love perfected then with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, talking about Jesus, so also are we in this world, in this place, that we are the hands and feet of Jesus. And this is incredibly important for how we grow spiritually, for how we become more like Jesus. The word perfected, as John uses it throughout these writings, it doesn't mean perfect as in no flaw or, or mistake because it comes from a Greek word that means to be made complete, to fulfill its created purpose, to be mature. John is telling his readers and us that as we love, as we confess, as we testify about Jesus, as we serve his world, by this, he says, is love perfected in us. By this are we becoming who God created you and me to be from the very beginning. This is the love God has for us. And we're, we're moving on our journey toward God's created and in, 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 intended purpose for our lives as we live God's love to those around us. His love grows in you and me as we love others, as we serve, as we share our story of what Christ has done in our lives with others. Here at Gateway, we talk about a, a description of what a fully devoted follower of Christ looks like. And it, and it begins with one who 
commits to following Christ. And, and for some of you, that may be today the beginning place where you need to be to make a commitment to do that because his love is not going to grow in you until you are committed to him. But then it says we connect with one another because we do this together. We encourage one another. We help one another. Next serves my church and serves my world because this is what God did. Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve. And we are following him. And finally, to share the good news. And Jesus told us, go and make disciples of all nations. This isn't just a, though a description for a fully devoted follower of Christ because John shows, shows us it's also a prescription. It's how we are to move forward. It's how we are to take next steps to have God's love perfected in us, to, to have what is pictured in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, uh, to, to be made mature, to become more and more like Jesus, to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. All of those phrases and many more that are found throughout the Bible talk about a journey that Christ calls each of us on to in this life so that as he John wrote said in John 3 2 verse John 3 2 when he appears when Jesus returns we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is this is the direction God intends for you and me for our lives and thankfully Christ followers are learning this God wants his love to become perfected in and through us to be made complete in us and John tells us part of the good news of abiding in God and following Christ and becoming perfected in love is that we don't have to worry. We don't have to be concerned or feel fear on the day that Jesus returns and passes judgment. He's come once. He's going to come again. He's going to judge all works and all people in that day. And the question is, do I need to be worried about that? John says we can have confidence for the day of judgment because as, as he is, talking about Jesus, so also are we in this world. We are trusting Christ. We are seeking to love because his spirit lives in us, transforming us as we cooperate with him so that our lives increasingly reflect him. John says there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. John says that those who follow Christ, who are seeking to love as he loved, have this assurance so that we don't have to fear when Christ returns. We don't have to wonder if we're saved. We don't have to be concerned about whether or not we're going to go to heaven. Let me just be real clear. If you have chosen to follow Jesus Christ, if you are following Jesus Christ, that is already determined. You are saved. You will go to heaven. You don't have to wonder about that. You don't have to worry about that. No, if you're just counting on whether I can be good enough, no, that's not the way it works. It's about relationship. Do you trust him? Are you following him? But if you have made that commitment, yes. John reminds us, that this growing love in us, this assurance, this confidence that we can have is because we follow Christ, we abide in God, we have his spirit living in us all because of God. He initiated this. He is the prime mover. He did this first. In fact, John says we love because he first loved us. We don't love because it comes natural to us. We love because God's love has been shed out across the world on his grace, given to all people. And for those of us who respond, yes, we have the assurance of where we're going and, and the grace that we have to live each day now today. 
our growth in love is not just trying harder. It is a humble recognition that God loved us first. God claimed us. And now we can only love, truly love, because of that. It's from trusting Christ and allowing his spirit to transform us, to perfect us in love, that we shall be like him. That his love sparks and grows our love. I want to tell you, all agape love, all unconditional love, all all sacrificial love like that in the world today is the result of God first loving us in this way. People may not explain it that way, may not even understand it that way, but it is the result of God. And this love has to be lived out, and the most practical place it is lived out is with those around us. And at the same time, the greatest evidence of whether or not we are headed in that direction is, am I seeking to love those around me? In verse 20, John writes, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For, who, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. The power of this is that as we allow Christ to work in us to transform us to perfect us in love our value and worth is increasingly centered in him in his unchanging love for us that he is who that we are who he says we are that he has died for us that our lives matter that we were created in his image and when so when my worth is no longer on the line, when I don't have to wonder about what you think of me or what my coworker says about me or, or what happens on my evaluation or how that person in my life who I thought loved me has, stuck, has cut me to the quick with my heart, I can be kind. I can be gracious. I can even be truthful about things I'm not proud of because it's not my worth that is anymore on the line. I am loved by God, and my goal is to love as Jesus loved, truly freeing me then to love one another. This this confidence in God's love, then it makes it possible for us to forgive others. Doesn't matter whether it's fair or not. Doesn't matter whether they earned it or not. They didn't, but neither did we. This love makes it possible for me to not keep track of wrongs, to to seek the best for those around me, to love my neighbors, to love my enemies, because I'm seeking to live up to who Christ says I am and not who the world says. The world says you get even. The world says you fight fire with fire. Jesus says you love your neighbor. You love God. And everything else gets summed up in that. It makes it possible for me to radically love, even as Christ did that for us. And and that is how we transform relationships. That is how we transform people. That is how the world gets changed. A dad loved his son very, very much, young son, and, and looked forward every day to coming home and playing with him for a little while when he got home from work. One day as he was coming home, though, he realized he had a he had a, a, a a lot of responsibilities still needed to be taken care of, and he wasn't going to be able to play right away with his son. And, and he knew that his son might not understand this very well, so he started thinking about, what can I do, what kind of activity can I give him so that he can kind of keep himself busy for a while until I finish my work? 
He remembered a magazine in, in his study that had a picture of the world on it, on the front cover. So when he got home, he, he went straight to his study, he got the magazine, he tore the front cover off, and he started cutting it into pieces. About the time his son walked in and, and wanted to play, and dad explained that he had some work he had to do, but here, here's a puzzle I made for you. It's a picture of the world. You put it back together, here's a roll of scotch tape, you put it back together, and when you get it done, you bring it to me, and then we'll be able to play. Thinking, all right, this is gonna, my little son, he's gonna have a little problem here. Well, so he, his son goes off, dad starts working, 10, 15 minutes later, his son returned and said, okay, Dad, it's done. Can we play now? And the guy said, what? How, 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 did you, how did you get that done so fast? How, how did you do that? The little boy said, well, Dad, it was, it was actually pretty easy. As I started looking at the pieces, I realized that on the back side there was a picture of a man. So I just put the man together, and the world fell into place. See, God's telling us, you want to change the world. You start by loving one another. You start by working on the people around you, the individuals. We, 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 we make these big picture things. I'm going to change the world. Nobody changes the world. We change people by the grace of God. We love on them so that they experience that love. And when we change people, People change people by the grace of God. And things start happening and lives start being transformed. And before long, people discover there is an unconditional love. That they don't have to live up to the standards and norms of the world. That they're, they're free from guilt. That they don't have to, to give in to past behaviors and lifestyles. And they can move forward from where they are. Because God has loved me unconditionally. That was John's desire for his churches, and that is God's desire for his churches, including ours. God is love. And those of us who follow Jesus Christ and have welcomed him into our lives, the only question is, how am I going to love today? Who am I going to love next? Don't put it off to some group or something, or somewhere. Every one of us in the next hour is gonna be around somebody. That's who you love. You love where you are with, who, with what you've got. You accept them for who they are and you work sacrificially for their good. And if they look at you like you're nuts, good. It's actually good means they've never experienced the true love of God and you have an opportunity to continue to witness to them to reveal to them the God you know in Jesus Christ they attack you they make fun of you fine God still loves them and that may create a brain ache when you forgive that they can't just pass up some of you have had that experience, haven't you? That's how God works. Through people, one person at a time, through love. You know, someone 
a long time ago wrote, the salvation of the United States is not gonna arrive on Air Force One. I don't care who is on Air Force One. The world is going to be changed through the love of God. You want the world to be different. It starts in you. And it works out into your circle, into your network. I hope you join us on that journey, that you, you spend time with Jesus through reading your Bible so that you know him better and you know how much he loves you, that you worship, that you pray, that you serve. This card in your bulletin shows the groups that are gonna be out there. And I hope many of you go out there. And I hope, in fact, you find the line is long and you decide to hang in there or you decide to make an appointment and do it another time. Because for some of you, this is the next step in how God wants you to grow. And as I said before, if I could make some of you do it, I would. Not because I need you to do it. God wants you to. God wants to work in your life. God wants to use you to work in the life of someone else that you don't even, you cannot even imagine yet. Trust him. As we live that out, John reminds us, God is using our faithfulness and our obedience to transform us more and more into the image and likeness of Jesus himself. Because as John said, as he is, so also are we. Even in this world today. Our prayer team will be here in just a moment if you need to talk with someone. We've got a study guide if you want to dig deeper on the Find It page of our website or for our life groups that you can use if you want to dig in a little bit more. Uh, if you're a guest today, I'm going to be out here with some of our leaders, and we'd love to say hi to you and, and welcome you to the Gateway today. If you brought someone with you, Gateway family, I hope you'll bring them over. Let's pray. God, thank you for your love. And yet we know you couldn't help it because you are love. And yet it is the most transformative experience any human being can have to be accepted be loved. No matter what we've done, no matter what we've been through, no matter what we're doing, no matter what mess we find ourselves in, no matter how much guilt we may experience, no matter, how, no matter what shame we are enduring, you love us. And your love never changes. Thank you for loving us and use us to love others. Use us to share this good news. Help us to let the world know that you are love. You are the answer. And your son, Jesus Christ, you are the way, the truth, and the life. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.